introduction, introduction. I was looking for somebody that was important to walk in the room. So, um, you know, it. Uh, uh, I, I used to think that people that got elected to positions like I serve in now, um, that they were wise, intelligent, and smart. And then I got elected to one of those positions and was so glad they had made an exception to the previous rules about being wise and smart. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it is so exciting to be here, of course, with each one of you. And uh, I will say this, that this week, uh, I know the church in a day concept is almost, it it seems impossible, but uh, uh, I encourage you this week, ciad.us which stands for churchinaday.us uh, on that website this week uh, on Friday morning at 6 a.m. Uh, Eastern time we'll be raising the walls and that's an incredible thing of course I know that's 4 a.m. your time so if you happen to just be up and nothing to do about 4 a.m. Uh, you know log in because there'll be a live feed for 24 hours and you can watch the progress of a church and they will have church in that building on Sunday morning. And uh, so it's a really exciting thing to to see happen. And uh, we are just so delighted to be a part of it. And uh, I I do want to say thank you to those of you who gave last year to Christmas for Christ. I know many received an envelope that had a dollar amount on it and you gave that corresponding dollar. And uh, we just want to say thank you for that because it has helped congregations like yourself all over North America. I think this year we uh, saw about $4.3 million through that Christmas for Christ given, and it is assisting missionaries and, and churches, congregations all over North America, and helps us do things like church in a day and various things. So I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you for investing and helping others. And I don't think we're ever too small or too young to invest and to do, because the Bible does say give and it shall be given. And so it, it is just a delight and a privilege of mine to be with the Mitchells. Of course, they are dear friends of ours. And we just, you know, it's one of those frustrations of life. You just because of geographic locations, not able to spend as much time with them, but uh, certainly appreciate all that they do. You're tremendously blessed to call them pastor. And I, I truly am blessed to call them friends and appreciate the great work that they're doing, the sacrifices that they have made uh, to make sure that there is a church in this this community and in various communities, another community, and I believe many other communities will experience churches as a result of this congregation and others that they're going to assist and help throughout Denver. And so we're excited about that. And I do want to say thank you to them for allowing me the privilege of being here today. And so I, I know many of you have come here to, today for the baby dedication and, and that sort of thing. But I, if you'll just give me just a few moments, I'd like to leave a thought with you today uh, that I think is a very very, very powerful thought and it really trues in our life. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 2, verse 6. John chapter 2, 6 through 10. And uh, uh, it is just, just a delight to be here. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm, you know... <laughs> I probably shouldn't even mention this, but while you're turning there, if I'm in one of those little moods, I just got one of those phone calls on my way here from some idiotic boy that wants to take my gir- my girl to a banquet, you know? And <laughs> so pardon me, I just had to get that off my chest, you know? Of course, they were laughing a little bit in the car because I said to him, well, excuse me just a minute, I need to go back to skinning this bear. I said, oh, and, and, and I, I've 
affectionately called him Robbie because he's good friend. I said, just a minute, Robbie, you want to take the first chunk out of this, this heart of this bear and, and eat it? I'll take the, you know, and oh, so, so I'm sorry. I'm back on the phone, you know, but anyway, uh, and of course I know the boy's father and he texts me. He said, my son said, wow, that was a serious conversation. <laughs> And uh, I said, well, I'm sorry. I just uh, couldn't resist. And he said, well, a man after my own heart because he has a daughter too. So anyway, but uh, well, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to speak tonight, today, but just to get that off my chest. All right. Amen. So I don't go shoot something or hit the wall or any, any whatever. Uh, John chapter two, verse six through 10 says this, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins, which is 20 or 30 gallons of water in each of them. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that it was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servant which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drank, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Now, do you, you like that wonderful day that we we really celebrate just a few months ago. We're already into May. We're going to be almost at the 50% mark and look back to the new year now. But that, that exciting day of January 1, where we all begin to propagate the same message. Happy New Year. And the excitement and the anticipation of the fact that it's going to be a great new year. It's going to be a happy new year, if you will. And, uh, you know, we make proclamations and we establish these resolutions that you know barely last past the week if we're lucky they even really last past the day and yet the anticipation of somehow having having a happy new year and really that comes along the same concept and really what we're saying is is that we wish next year would be somehow better than this year and somehow would my life be a little better tomorrow or the next day and really I think really we probably should title it not happy new year but happy new you because that's really what we want. We want a happy new us. In fact, there is a website called futureme.org and in this website, people write messages to themselves, their future self, and at some later time, you get an email back from you, written to you, expressing something. In fact, one of them said this, dear future me, First and foremost, I hope you're still alive. I hope you're still financially independent, and I hope you finally find that happiness you've been seeking for so long. I've made leaps and bounds to get us here. Now make the most of it. Another person wrote, Dear future me, hello. This is you talking to you. I hope you're 
doing as well as I wished you would have done. I hope you've been a good father and son. As of now, life's okay. But I'm starting to put my life in danger with all these gangs. And I'm really concerned about the future. Another person said, dear future me, a year ago, you were a little lonely, frustrated, unhappy, unhealthy, and sad. Up to that point, that year had not been very good to you. As you wrote this, you had a headache, a backache, a sore neck, fingers that smelled like cigarette smoke, and went on to explain how bad it really was at that particular time. Some would scold themselves. Others would mostly dream of a hope that maybe next year, somehow next year would be better than it is right now. Most would hope for their future self that hopefully, certainly that it would be better than their present self. And in fact, is that not really what we all aspire to have? And in fact, the word of God teaches us that really all of these hopes and desires and dreams really are just hopes, desires and dreams until we come to Christ who really is is the hope of the future and our future is secured in him but as we look at this text here that we read moments ago Jesus performs his first miracle it's at a wedding there is a need Jesus the Bible says turned water into wine now let me just digress for a moment to say that grape juice was drunk in that day. In fact, it did ferment. However, unlike it is today, the purpose was not for it to ferment to get drunk like it is today. In fact, uh, there, the Word of God teaches us there were tremendous dangers in regards to alcohol. In fact, the Bible warns over and over against alcohol and its abuses. 17 warnings against the abuse of alcohol. 19 warnings and examples of its abuse. In fact, churches are warned three times not to elevate anyone prone to drunkenness. Solomon spoke about it in Proverbs 23, 31 through 33 and speaks out, in fact, against uh, drinking alcohol alcohol but I and you say well Jesus turned water into wine my, my point today is not really a, and I don't believe the point of the text is about alcohol and grape juice I believe it's much different and much more secure than that I, I believe really what point of this particular miracle in text was that Jesus took something that was simply ordinary he took something that was ordinary and made it extraordinary he took something that was was common, something that was simple, and he made it uncommon. You see, the truth is the future can be much better than the present. Our future can be much better than where we are today. All is not lost when sometimes it seems like it's lost. The writer gives us great detail in regards to this great miracle that is mentioned in the Word of God. In fact, as we look at the details that he portrays, he says that we had six vessels. The vessels were made of stone. And those stones, those stone vessels contained water. And in fact, there was 20 to 30 gallons of water in each of those vessels. It's, it's really humorous to me that there would be such great detail in regards to this miracle. It was the first miracle at Cana. But yet, when you compare that, that in Genesis, the Bible records to us the great story of creation. And yet, in the midst of that story of creation, when we get to the stars, all we hear is, 
And he made the stars also. No details. No detail. The magnificent beauty of the stars. But there is no detail to that. It's almost as if God said, don't, don't tell anything about that. I mean, that was simple stuff. Easy stuff. And yet, the truth is, it's magnificent and glorious. But here, in this first miracle of Christ, he gives us great detail by telling us great things. Let's think about it. Could it be that the details have distinct reasons among each detail? Six being the number of man. There were six created. Or there were six on the sixth day. He created man, and on the six pots we find these vessels. They were made of stone. Man was made from the earth. Approximately sixty to seventy percent of our bodies are made up of water, and the weight of approximately twenty or thirty gallons of water is between one hundred sixty-five and two hundred and fifty-five or two hundred twenty-five pounds which really uh, equates to the approximate weight of the average man. Could it be that perhaps what Jesus was trying to get across to us that day was that not to say that I can turn water into wine, but rather I can transform an ordinary vessel and I can make it into something that is fit for the master's use. Say, well, is it true? Could we be vessels? Well, that is no great, uh, it's no great revelation that multiple, multiple times uh, the scripture tells us that we are compared to vessels. Uh, in fact, in the scripture, Paul talks to the Corinthian church in verse four or uh, verse seven and chapter four, we have treasure in earthly vessels. In 2 Timothy 2.20, we can have vessels of honor or dishonor speaking of our lives. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 4, we are commanded to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. In other words, what I believe Jesus was trying to proclaim that day was to simply say this, I can turn water into wine, but the main purpose of this is that I can take your life. It may seem like it is bad. It may seem like it is over and there is no hope of the future but he said this what I can do is I can do the impossible in your life I can take what is uncommon and make it common Yet we find the reading of the scriptures, the truth is our cup can be running over or it can be empty. Yet in the word of God, Jeremiah's trip to that potter's house is so clear we learn that really life like a vessel can be marred. It can be broken. Life like a vessel also though can be made over again. Can I tell you that perhaps there's somebody in this room today that you feel like you've been used and you've been abused. You feel like you've been blemished and there is no hope of a future in your life. Can I tell you that today can be the greatest day of the rest of your life? For you see, today is the day where you can walk away saying, it's no longer happy new year of some hope that I might get better, but it can be a happy new me and a happy new you for a great hope of the future you see God asked that same question he asked to us that he asked of the prophet can I not do with you as the potter does with this vessel 
you were born one way, but you can be born again. Jesus, he shows up at a wedding. Let's just be honest. Something always goes wrong at weddings. Doesn't matter how much you plan. Something's going to go wrong. It was that bride that was scared to death. Nervous wreck. So her pastor wanted to provide some peace in her life during her special day. And he chose a verse and he handed it to the best man and said, why don't you read this? It was 1 John 4, 18, which it speaks of perfect love and it casteth out all fear. But unfortunately, the best man was a little more nervous than everybody else. He read John 4, 18 which is simply you have five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. Not good. There's no perfect wedding. They ran out of things to drink. Life can grow empty. Life. The paradox of modern life. We are more connected than we have ever been and yet more lonely than we've ever been. We are simply more full yet more empty. Yet the truth is I wonder what each one of us as we begin to write would we write today our letter to the future? What would it say? Would it ask of us in our certain circumstances are we ever going to get out of it? Like the one that said I'm doing well financially I hope I could stay with it but I'm certainly not happy now. Maybe I can be happy in the future but can I tell you when we simply trust in the things of this world and this life uh, we will never be happy and fulfilled to the extent that God intended us for to be because you see the truth is all of that leads to emptiness lonely and heartache but I'm telling you it doesn't matter how bad your vessel seems to be broken can I tell you today can be a whole new world and a whole new you it's time for a happy new you today you see, if your present doesn't match your hopes, you're out. You're out. You're empty. You may feel like that student archaeologist who found out one day his career was in ruins. That's depressing. Or maybe you're like that frog that asks a fortune teller. And I, now, again, I, I said this. I don't, I don't, we don't believe in fortune tellers. Well, we don't believe in talking frogs either, okay? So, so give me just a little leeway to tell this story. He asked the, he said, I want you to tell me about my future. He said, well, I see a lovely woman in your future. Her desire is going to be to know you and know all about you. You'll fascinate her. She'll She'll get very close to you. Oh, that frog is excited about this. Frog couldn't stand it. Where am I going to meet her? Answer was not what expected. Biology class. You know, things in life just don't always turn out the way we anticipate it. Can I tell somebody today, a better life awaits you. A change is on its way. Philippians 1, 6, Paul told the Philippians, he said, be 
being confident. I'm not waffling or concerned. I am confident of this very thing that he which began a good work in you will perform it under the day of Christ. Can I tell you, I know the author. I know the beginning. I know the finisher. I know the one that is able to do a miraculous in your life. Can he not do what the potter has done with the vessel? You got to focus on the new pots. Forget those old pots. Quit looking to the old vessels. Uh, say goodbye to the old you. Bury those problems. Get ready because hope, uh, I said hope, uh, is on its way. You got to look to the very fact uh, that once Christ is in you, it's not about your successes. It's about his successes. It's about when he gets inside of me. That's why the scripture talks about it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. If he gets inside of me, he changes everything. Except. It's that story of blind Bartimaeus who heard Jesus walking by and begins to cry out with a loud voice, Hey, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Quiet, Barnabas. There's a lot of people looking at you. I don't really care. I can't see them. All I know is this, that if he is here, I've got to get his attention because I have a feeling my day will be different when it ends than when it began if I can just come in contact with the one name Jesus I'm telling you your day will be different if you'll come in contact with him that Samaritan woman get on moving there's somebody at the well that's going to change your whole life that's going to provide a complete direction shift and change you went seeking for water and he said I know what you want but and I understand you got to get it every day but if you understood what I have you would ask of me water what is this water he said to Jesus well he said if you can drink you drink from this well you'll thirst again but the water that I have you will never thirst again. I'm day to tell here today to tell somebody it's time for a happy new you. Corey Ten Boom said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We don't have to be like the internal optimist. Jumped off the 34th floor of the building and somebody heard him halfway down say so far so good yeah I'm talking about something that if you jump off into this thing, you don't have to worry about it hitting the ground at 100 mile an hour. No, no, I'm telling you, you drop into this thing, it is a whole new life, a whole new world, a whole new opportunity. Joy, unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. It is peace that passes all understanding. It is something that only God can bring. And it changes everything. And I'm talking about this thing changes everything. It's that man that walked into a department store. He was from a rural community. He didn't, he didn't know what elevators were. He didn't know. I mean, he was just from a rural community. Community he didn't know much about the city. And he was just sitting there waiting on his wife. She was, she was shopping. He was sitting there and he watched. And I'm, I'm pleased. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he watched this uh, 
elderly lady, she kind of barely made it into the elevator. Kind of hobbled in there and he watched as that door shut. About five minutes later, that door opened again and this beautiful, attractive young girl stepped out. Somebody heard him say, son, get your mom. I have a feeling when his mom got there, his wife got it, she but you get in there with me. Everybody notices what happens when Jesus changes everything. It's the Gadarean demoniac. Oh, he was there in the middle of the tombs, unclothed, mad, out of his mind. And yet, when Jesus came in contact with him, the Gadarean said, who is this guy? He is clothed and in his right mind. Who was he? What happened? He was the guy that used to dwell in the tombs. But today, he dwells in homes. But something happened. He transformed me. He changed me. Jesus can change everything in your life in one moment. You see, Jeremiah speaks of the potter's will, but yet today, you know, a potter has what's called a potter's field. And it is a place where they will gather their pottery and so forth that they have begun to work on the potter's meal and the potter's will, but yet when there is a mistake that happens or through the, the process of baking it, it cracks and well, we just have to discard it and throw it aside because it's of no use to the average potter. But yet, can I talk to you today about a potter who is not the average potter? He is the one that is walking on the scene. He does what no other potter could possibly do. For you see this potter, when he walks on the scene of a potter's field, he begins to observe and look around and he begins to pick up, oh, there's a piece that's been discarded. There's a piece that's broken. There's a piece that nobody wants. There's one that's just been sitting out here mixed among the stuff and nobody's interested in that piece. But this potter does something far different different uh, than what any potter would do uh, instead of stepping on it and discarding it uh, he begins to pick up more and more pieces uh, until his hands are full uh, and he carefully takes them into his potter's house uh, and there he does something miraculous he begins uh, oh it's painful at first uh, he begins to crush them you say what's that well the crushing designed to take away that old identity and that old broken piece and as he begins to crush and grind it into fine powder oh it's reminiscent of something glorious you see it's a place called repentance where we go and we say God here I am you put me at your hand and I pray that you will transform and change and in repentance we begin to lose our identity but through repentance all the way through the process something is happening there is precious blood that is dripping
stamping upon uh, that broken pieces uh, that began to be nothing but dirt uh, but oh uh, through that blood uh, through that precious anointing something happens uh, it begins to create a moisture which creates a mud uh, which creates a clay uh, which begins to be molded in the hands of the potter and this day uh, he takes what everybody else would discard and he would no longer be of concern but I'm telling you today this day uh, he's here to say it's time for a happy new you old things passed away all things become new and I wonder today if there's some folks in this place today as you stand with me you see the question is this the question God already asked Jeremiah he said can I can I not do for you what the potter has done for the vessel? You say, oh, Bill Hobson, you're here, you're talking to me, but you don't know my background. No, it really doesn't matter your background as long as the potter walks by and picks you up. And I believe in this place today he is walking among us and he's picking some people's hearts up and he's saying you know this is a broken piece that nobody wanted see when I was a kid we used to sing in children's church a little song that just said give them all give them all give them all to Jesus shattered dreams wounded hearts and, and we used to sing broken toys just, just give them all. I mean, here I am, a kid, broken toys. Sure, I got plenty of those, God. I got things that I got. I was so precious. See, the truth is all of us have things in our lives that were so precious to us and things, dreams in our lives, hopes in our lives, curves that we didn't, weren't expecting, tragedies that took place that we don't even understand. But you know what? I can hear the voice of God saying, oh, come on. Can I not do for you what I, the potter does for the vessel? Come on. Give them all to Jesus. Come on. Every dream, wounded, heart, broken, to everything. It doesn't matter. Matter how small or insignificant it may seem to others, I just want to give it all to you because I got a feeling once I give it all to Him, He's gonna He's gonna turn my shattered dreams and wounded hearts. He's gonna turn them into joy. In other words, He's gonna say today, it's time for a happy new you. I'm opening.